In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you would empower us today to do your will, to say your will, to speak your will, to participate in your will and your kingdom in a manner in which it would please you. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Ikota Praise God. Some of you think it's really easy for me to speak in tongues. Would it surprise you to know that from the age of 12 to the age of 22, I've never spoken in tongues more than maybe twice a year? See, the Holy Ghost at age 12 and didn't speak in tongues more than twice a year. Some years only once. Uh, because I dreaded it. I hated it. It was too humiliating, too difficult to go through the traditional Pentecostal Whatever to speak in tongues. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then finally speak in tongues. And that what I just condensed into a few minutes usually took me probably an hour to get through till finally I could break through the tongues. Why? Because that was the culture and expectation when I was a kid. I received the Holy Ghost. I, I, well, I wanted the Holy Ghost, but speaking in tongues, I literally hated it. And the only reason that I did it was because I had to do it to have the Holy Ghost. And I didn't like it and didn't want to do it. Frankly, because it was stupid to me as a kid. This whole process. Until finally, my dad was, I was, I was stationed. Dad was already in the Navy myself. And was stationed at a, uh, and went to a little home missions church. Man had only been saved five years. But he preached, supposed to speak in tongues every day. And so in order to do that, I had to spend some time with God till the fact that I broke past all of that stuff that was hindering me from being able to speak with tongues. But but you can't just speak in tongues anytime, really? So you only have the Holy Ghost part-time? Well, Hi. Holy Ghost lives in me 24-7. Speaking in tongues is only a matter of yielding to what's always there. I didn't know that. I said this Tuesday. Uh, but in Pentecost, we may speak in tongues an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. And those emotions that we so love, and I love them too, are a product of the Spirit. The emotions don't produce the Spirit. 
So that, that's, that's just really important for you to get. Okay? Because where we are in this world, where, we're, where this world is headed, if you don't learn to pray in the Spirit, you are in major trouble spiritually. You're not going to make it. Now, there will be some things I will say today some people are going to really be upset about. I'm not prophesying that. I just know in prayer this morning, the Lord made me know. In fact, I have requested the district board members that are on the campground to be in this service as witnesses. Because if they're the ones going to have to deal with the complaints from the district, at least they will know for personally how it, what happened. Because today, <laughs> Tuesday introduced the subject. Yesterday we dealt with, I didn't plan it that way, but the Lord dealt with the obstacles. But I'm saying this to you. If you're sitting here today, and you're still one of the ones using profanity in the dorms. And you still have surrendered to God. I just, I'm just wiping you out of my mind and spirit right now. None of this applies to you at all. Because if you haven't already broken in the spirit by now, your chances are pretty slim. Because if what's happened this week isn't going to break you, it's going to take something more than a good church service. It's going to take some really bad stuff happening in your life for you to finally come to your senses. So I am not going to deprive the hungry from what God wants to give them trying to continue to deal with you. I did that yesterday. Whether you knew that's what I was doing or not. It was a last ditch effort to appeal to some of you that are just going through the motions here. In fact, some of you are wondering, what in the world did I do coming here? Well, you didn't do something in the world. You came into a spiritual atmosphere. So, God bless you. Still going to pray for you. Love you. Uh, but, just turning my mind and spirit off to you. I don't even want to be sensitive to you. I don't want to feel nothing from you. I don't want to hear nothing from you in the Spirit. And I don't want to respond to anything you're doing or whatever. I want to only be sensitive to those that are hungry and want to go where God wants to go. Because today, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Oh, we know how to pray, brother. Right? Really? So you can't wait to get up in the morning? Oh, come on. Because you've got so much to do in the Spirit? Really? If that's not how you feel about it, you don't know how to pray. Because if you know how to pray, you can't wait to get up in the morning and get started. Participating with the Lord in His kingdom. And I'm not, I'm not being critical. Do you, you have no idea the difference it would have made in my life if someone would have taught this to me in a youth camp just like you're sitting. My God. I have spent so many years 
frustrated and feeling my way through things that I if blind, just blind, not having no idea how to get to where I wanted to go, where the Lord was taking me. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to get there. And I spent many days beating myself up over my prayerlessness because I didn't know how to pray. And the only saving grace was that finally at 22, I got a breakthrough in the tongues. And I prayed in tongues a lot, not even knowing what was going on. Not even knowing why it shifted sometimes and went a different direction and changed in intensity and whatever. Not even realizing the Spirit of the Lord was praying through me in various different types of prayer. He never explained that at the time. I just let it happen because it felt right. And, 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 and I knew it was doing something to me and I believe it was doing something through me. But, but, but I didn't know how to take that out of the supernatural as far as the supernatural prayer with, through tongues and into the, to the dimension where I'm praying in my own language. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't understand that. And so therefore, prayer was always difficult. And how boring is it to get up every morning and pray the same old stuff? And so I did what most Pentecostals do. I I I I get up and you know and I praise just a few minutes. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, forgive me of all my sins because I want to make sure that I'm still safe today. So my first priority wasn't praise; it was to make sure I was still saved. <laughs> and then my second priority was to give him whatever list of things I needed him to do today. And if I didn't have anything pressing on my mind, I was done. I didn't know what else I was supposed to pray. And thank God I had learned, or He had taught me to pray in the Spirit. Otherwise, that had been some days my prayer had been five minutes long. Because I didn't know what else to do. And now... There literally isn't enough time to pray everything I want to pray. And some days it has to be prayed in kind of a blanket. And other days, as the Lord leads and enables, it, it's prayed very specific. But I know, I know that things are happening. Did you hear the devil's temper tantrum last night? Did you did you do you have a radar app where you can check it out? The rain got within five miles of us south here and went right across down there, and all he could do was fuss over the fact he couldn't get any closer. Well, let me tell you the opposite side of that. I was participating in a manifest meeting on the Ohio District Campground with Brother Cisco and others. It was, we were there all week. We were fasting and praying. There was about 100, 120 of us there. And, 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 and God was moving. It was, the Lord was moving. And Brother Cisco, William Cisco from Columbus, Ohio now, he was, and saw the ground was dry. There hadn't been any rain outside that tabernacle that day. I witnessed that. I experienced that. I heard that with my ears. I 
saw that dry ground. That ground hadn't had any water on it in two or three days at least. But we want to be happy with just having good church. Oh yeah, we want to have good church. We want to feel goosebumps. We want to get happy in the spirit and brag on Jesus how great our church service was tonight. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of church services. A whole lot more would be accomplished for the kingdom if we never even played the first note or preached the first word. If we just decided we were going to pray until something broke. Oh, but we can't do that. Because the building is so full of so many carnal people. If we don't go through the motions so they can mark off their spiritual obligation and go on about their business and tell themselves they're okay because they went to church. And they're not going to put up with it. And they may not keep coming if we start doing that kind of stuff. And then we won't have their income. So we're going to sell out to the carnal because of the money they put in the plate rather than determining we're going to have a move of God regardless of what it takes. Well, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, there's three basic dimensions of prayer that I participate in every day. Every day. The first dimension of prayer, we would traditionally call that devotion. I call it positioning prayer. Because what I'm doing in that prayer at the start of the day. And the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the word first there in the Greek means not only first in order of priority in your life, but first in order of your time. So if you're going to be spiritual, you're going to do whatever's necessary to make sure that you start your day even if you're hanging out up, you spend half the night up on the internet texting and chatting with your friends and you get up at noon. Well, it's noon. I can't pray now. Not God's problem. Is that when you're starting your day? You can justify it all you want, but if you're starting your day without prayer, you've already started your, your day in rebellion to the Word of God. Come on. Well, I got school today. Then go to bed and go to sleep. But I can't sleep. Well, there's a problem. Because the Word of God says He gives His beloved sleep. So if you're truly His beloved, means you're walking in the Word of God and you can't sleep, guess what you're supposed to be doing while you can't sleep? You're supposed to be praying. Not texting, Instagramming, Facebooking, YouTube watching, so you can finally get tired enough that you can go to sleep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna outweigh you, God. I'm gonna outweigh you. You trying to keep me awake so I'll pray. Well, I'm just gonna keep myself so carnally occupied until I get exhausted enough that I can go to sleep. And when I finally go to sleep, I kind of go comatose. And when I wake up, the day's already half over. And so therefore now, i got stuff people are expecting me to do.
I challenge the spiritual young people in this group right now. When you lay down or it's time to go to sleep and you're not sleepy, turn off your iPad, your phone, your computer. Find yourself a place to pray and pray some part of what I'll be talking about today. In fact, I not only want to make sure that this is recording for my self-defense, I want to record it because the stuff I'm saying today, you're not going to get in one minute. You understand I've spent a lifetime learning every element, every tiny element of this. There's not one sentence I'm saying today that there's not a high price tag on it for me to learn it. And you're not going to get it one time sitting here. And you're not going to get it the first time you hear this. And you're not going to get all of it the tenth time you hear all this. So if you really want to learn to pray, you're going to listen to this a few times. And you're going to turn it off and practice. Or maybe you'll use it as kind of a prayer guide till God really begins to develop it in you for yourself. You talk about you changing, your home changing, your church changing, your school changing. Oh God, in Jesus' name, let there come a revelation in the Spirit to each one of these young people so they can see in the Spirit who they really are. The world wants you to believe that you're nobody, that you're insignificant, that you're outcasts, that you're rejects because you don't fit in with their styles and their, what they do and coming and going like they do. But hear me right now. In naval architecture, you don't build any kind of watercraft with a flat nose on the front of it. If you expect it to be able to move very much at all. So the bigger the ship, the more pronounced the bow has to be. It has to come to a point because a ship does not weigh anything. It disperses a certain tonnage of water. Because a ship, a boat, has to make room in the water for itself. It's not a part of the water. In fact, the idea is it's in the water, but it's never supposed to be of the water. That means it's sunk. You don't want water in your boat, except drinking water, sanitary water. So the boat is in the water. But the water's not supposed to be in the boat. But for the boat to move from one spot, or the ship to move from one spot to the other, water has to be pushed aside to make room for the boat to move. That's why there's so much turbulence behind a boat, even a sailboat, without even any uh, engine or screws working underneath the water. Because that water coming down the sides of that boat and filling in the hole where the boat was always causes turbulence in its wake. In Jesus' name, I don't care who you see you to be. I'm telling you who God sees you to be and who the devil knows you to be. Whenever you walk into a classroom, whenever you walk into a school, whenever you walk into a store, because you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the spirit world has to make way for you. It has to make way for you. Without causing a disturbance behind you. 
disturbance in the spirit world. You don't even have to be praying. You don't even have to be thinking about God. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Then wherever you go, there's a disturbance. People are going to react to that. Some are going to react to it positively. Some are going to react to it negatively. Negatively. Get over it! Quit trying to hide. God does not have any undercover children. He doesn't have any kids that are undercover. He said you're the light of the world. We're not supposed to hide our light under a, uh, under a bed, uh, under a book basket. Here's the problem. you got a real problem. Hide all you want. But you'll have to get rid of the Holy Ghost if you don't want to cause a disturbance when you enter the room. And people go, what's that? And when they find it, Check everybody out and they, they look, their eyes light on you. They automatically know you're the source of whatever that is they're feeling. Now what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? You're going to hide from it? You're going to deny it like Peter denied Jesus outside the judgment hall? You're going to curse and say, I don't know him! Is that what you're going to do? I don't know him. Just because you have two sets of clothes, one for church, one for school, that that causes your Holy Ghost to stay home because your church clothes do. You can masquerade like the world if you want to, but if you think the Spirit of God in you is going to let you hide so you can avoid being judged or having an impact on you you know what it just need to leave your Holy Ghost here on the campground when you leave because it's your only way to be like them join them they don't have what you got but the majority of them would like to have what you have if they really knew what it was you had all they know is you come in the room and something changes well I'm not praying I see exactly the problem can you imagine what would happen if you were praying? If this happened, even to those that are trying to be carnal by dressing like the world so you can hide who you are, can you imagine what would happen that at least in the spirit in prayer you wouldn't pretend you don't know God? So that first prayer is positioning. I call it positioning prayer. This gets this this reestablishes things in my spirit, in my mind, every morning before I do anything else. And, and, and this is me. But I, you can pray whatever God gives you to pray. But there are certain things I pray every day. Father, I thank you for life. Amen. Because the only life living through this body is me. Is you, not me. Father, I thank you for, for health. Because if I've got any health at all, you're the health of this body. I'm a part of your body. You weren't sick. You weren't afflicted. And I'm a part of your body. 
And I thank you, Father, today for strength. Because I have no strength of my own. I thank you for clarity of the mind, clarity of the spirit, clarity of the heart. And I give you the credit for all that because I can't do any of that myself. I receive that from you, Father, as your gracious gift upon me as your child and as a member of your body. And then I, I have other things I, have, I give thanks for. And everything I pray has got a scripture behind it. Or several scriptures behind it. How about this one? Grace, uh, great mercy and grace shall follow them all the days of their life. The last verse of the 23rd Psalm. So I almost always, every day, thank you, Father, for mercy and grace today. I receive it from you. I thank you. You're my shepherd. I thank you for that. I claim these things, see. And then, then I begin to pray these things. Paul, Paul at the beginning of every epistle he wrote to churches said, Grace and peace from the Father be upon you. And to Timothy twice and Titus once, he added something. Grace, mercy, and peace be upon you. So for me, if it was that important to Paul, and that was an apostolic impartation for the benefit of those people of God, I pray that every day. Father, I receive grace from you today. And then, as time permits, I'll go into that a little bit. Father, your word says that without you, I can do nothing. And I confess that's the truth. There isn't anything I can do without you. And your word promised me that your grace would work in me. Both to cause me to will, to want to please you. And then would empower me to be able to please you. So I receive grace today, Father, for you to empower me both to want to please you and to do those things that are pleasing you today. And some days I go this far. And Father, I thank you for empowering me to want to not do those things that displease you and to give me the ability to not do those things that displease you. And then some days I go this far. Whatever you hate, Father, I want to hate. Whatever you love, I want to love. Because I want to be so a part of you that I don't feel the opposite about anything the way you feel about it. I don't pray all that every day. It just depends on what I'm feeling. Second thing, pray is... Uh, mm -hmm. I receive mercy. You know the Word of God says His mercy is new every morning. So if His mercy is new every morning, it's because I need His mercy every morning. And sometimes, there are things I did the day before. Things I made up my own mind about instead of really giving it to God. Times that I did not follow my peace and I, did, I followed what my flesh wanted. And so at that time, at that point in time, Father, I receive Your mercy that's new this morning. I confess my iniquity. My desire to be in control. I confess those times yesterday that I made up my own mind, that I did my own thing. Forgive me, Father. Because if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Word says He will not hear you. And what is iniquity? Very basically summed up. I'm in charge. I tell you what to do, God. You don't tell me what to do. I tell you what I expect out of you, but you don't tell me what you expect out of me. 
I got my own plans, I got my own purposes, I got my own desires, I got what I want today. And if we're going to have a relationship, you're going to give me what I want, and I'm not going to bother to listen to what you want. Oh, by the way, Satan, Lucifer wasn't kicked out of heaven for pride. Find that verse, it's not in there. He was kicked out of heaven according to Ezekiel. Chapter 28, verse 15. Because iniquity was found in his heart. You know what he decided? I'm not, God's making all the decisions here. I'm not really for God to make decisions. When he said, I want to be like God, he, didn't, he knew he couldn't be God. God fills everything. Lucifer's a finite being. So what did he want to do? Want to make his own decisions. Want to run his own life. God made the decisions. Lucifer wanted to be like God. He wanted to make his own decisions. Got him kicked out of heaven. It'll keep you from going on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't know if I believe that. Well, how about if you believe this? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But some will say, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. And the King James says we've done many uh, wonders or wonderful works. And the Greek is literally miracles. And the Lord's going to look at them and say, Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I don't even know who you are. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They cast out devils. They, they prophesied. They did miracles. And the Lord said, You're not welcome where I am. Because you work iniquity. You use all of my giftings and all that I provide for your own benefit. And you're not coming where I am. Because I already kicked one archangel out of heaven for iniquity. And I'm not letting you in heaven with iniquity. So what do I make sure I cover every morning in positioning prayer? Oh God, by your grace, your word, your spirit, shine your light in my heart. If, you, if there's even one small area of my life that I made the decision, any moment of my life that I made the decision... Purge me. Why? Because a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. And if you are willing to be served God 99% of the time, but you want that 1% for yourself, it won't stay 1%. I got news for you. Bad or good concerning your perspective. But you hear me right now. By the time you leave this earth, if it hasn't become all or nothing, then heaven is all or nothing for you. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Churches, including United Pentecostal churches, are full of people who live like that. And we pastors try to lead and minister to them. The purpose isn't to run them off. The purpose is not to let them be in charge spiritually. I want them to stay allowed. Because hopefully one day they're going to get convicted. But they cannot be allowed to dictate what happens in that service. They cannot be allowed 
to dictate what we do or we don't do. So I received first, second of all, or third, I received peace. Peace is directly connected to the absence of iniquity. Why? Because the Bible says God resists the proud, 1 Peter chapter 5, and gives grace to the humble. Oh, I'm not proud. Let's find out if you are. Let's let the Bible determine whether or not you're proud. Because the Scripture says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. Colon. That means what's about to follow that colon explains what He just said as far as how do I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Here it is. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. I remember when my life became that. It was the first Friday night of August 9th, or 2003. It was almost six months after our building collapsed in a snowstorm. And I had been so depressed and frustrated and irritated and I didn't feel like doing anything. I didn't feel like preaching. I didn't want to go anywhere or do anything. I was supposed to do a meeting, uh, a manifest meeting in Attleboro, Massachusetts for New England. And I was committed to go, but I had two friends that were coming. And I made up my mind, I'm not preaching this week because I don't feel like it. So we sat down to dinner before that first night. And I started to tell them what I decided. And they looked at me and said, We know that it's been really rough for you these last few months. But we also know how God uses you. We know that you're committed to repeating whatever it is God gives you to say. So we know that God talks to you as much through your preaching as He does to anybody else. So we have determined we're not preaching at all in this meeting. And I went, Wait, 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 wait. I'm not preaching. And my good friend looked across the, the table to me and said, at me and said, either you do the preaching, we'll, and, and we'll stay, and we'll be there to support you and pray for you and minister to the people who's time to minister. Pray for you. Or we're going to change our tickets and get on a plane this afternoon and go home and leave you with it. Because one way or the other, the only way you're coming out of this thing is you. The only way you're coming out of this is for you to preach. So for three nights and two full days, I ministered. And the Lord spoke all this to me. And when I was through with the last session on Friday night, I went over in that little church building, over into a corner by myself, and died. And from that day, Almost 13 years here in a few weeks. I've never asked anything for myself. I've never told God what I needed Him to do. I've never told Him how or when to do it. All I've done is cast my cares. I've said this to a couple of people I prayed for here this week. A couple of young men. The number one most critical thing you've got to do every day is you've got to seek for peace. This is true for every Christian. Peter said, 1 Peter 3.11, Seek peace and pursue it. 
If you're carrying your cares, you will never have peace. Oh, we call it worry. We call it anxiety. Oh, I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid this isn't going to happen. Fear. Those are the spiritual symptoms of people who carry their cares. Worry, anxiety, fear. Now, I know there is some genetic problems with high blood pressure, but a lot of Christians who have high blood pressure, it has nothing to do with genetics. I had a tooth cut out, cut out, last week. And they got me in the chair and he was going to put me to sleep, which I was happy about. I didn't want to be awake while he did all that. And so they put the cuff on me to get my blood pressure and they put the little thing on my finger to keep my pulse rate and pulse beat. When I sat on a chair, my blood pressure was really high. It was like 145 over 95. I know for a lot of people, they'd be thrilled to death with that, but that's not my normal. I'm old and fat, and my normal blood pressure is 110 over 65. And my resting pulse rate is 62. And if you took my pulse rate right now, you think I'm all hyped up? My, my heart is so calm right now. I guarantee my pulse rate's not much over 72. Standing here right now. It's not 90. It's not racing. Because all of none of this is me. So I said to the lady, that's too high. Let's get it down. She looked at me weird. What do you mean get it down? I said, I don't, I don't feel any anxiety. I don't know why your machine is reading that high. Let's get it down. She said, well, okay. Let me know when you're ready. About two minutes later, I said, check it now. It was 125 over 85. That's still high. I said, I, you know, I got my pulse rate down to like 65. What, what, what was that meditation? No, I just entered into his rest. I just cast everything on him and entered into his rest, and my whole system just slowed down. few years ago, they thought I was having a heart attack and did a catheterization. And so back then, you, if you had a, a cath done, they didn't want that to rupture and you bleed to death. So you had to lay for 24 hours flat. And I, you, you know, they didn't, I didn't turn the TV on. I laid there and my entertainment all night was to see how low I could get my pulse rate. I think the lowest I got it was to 43. I'm not joking. And I'm not exaggerating. Why? The only thing that raises your blood pressure and your heart rate is when you're carrying stuff that's not yours to carry. I said, well, Lord, what am I supposed to be casting? Whatever you care about. Now, you're going to think this is stupid. But... <laughs> I only wore the blue stuff today. I didn't wear the gold. But most days I have, especially casual clothes, if you look real closely, it's going to be some shade of blue and some shade of gold or all some shade of blue, gold or all some shade of blue. I, it's, I can't help that. Sorry. Go name me Beat Right. Just, 
Do you, do you have any idea how many times I said that in four years? If it was under 10,000 times, I'd be shocked. You, you just get brainwashed with it. So, I care. So, if I'm to follow Navy football at all, I can't pray for them to win. I have to cast my care on whether or not they do. Why? Because I don't want some secular worldly event to affect my emotions and then affect my spirit. I would love to see an Orioles Nationals World Series. You know why? Because I couldn't care less who won it. Because I want the attention of this world focused on Maryland, D.C. So that somebody will tune in. There's something going on here that maybe they can be benefited by. Right. World Series? What? The problem is you win the World Series and you immediately have to start getting ready for next year. That's the way it is in the world. you understand that? So, I cast all my care. I seek peace. Anything that's troubling my mind, I cast it. I cast it. My personality type is decision-making, problem-solving, fixer. I had to cast all of that on the Lord. I had to let all that die. Because everything my mind is working on trying to solve is me trying to fix it. But if I cast that on the Lord, He will give me the answer. And I don't even have to work for it. In Jesus' name, I speak the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation from the Father upon you that you would get that. Because you won't get that naturally. You can't get that intellectually. You cannot carry your cares and His cares too. He will not do it. Well, why don't we see more people saved? Check how many people are carrying their cares in your church and you'll find out why there's no fruit. Check preachers that preach great messages and nothing happens. And, and, and check how often they're truly either not or are casting their cares. You can't be fruitful if the branch is under stress and distressed. And oh, precious young people, I am as far from a negative person as there is. The lady that I live with that's the best half of me, she calls me Positive Peter. Amen. Because I'm going to look for the good in everything if you give me any chance. I'm going to look for the good in every person if you give me any chance whatsoever. To get me to distrust you, you have to work really hard at that. Why? Because that's the way I want Jesus to look at me. I don't want to just believe in Jesus. I want Jesus to believe in me. I don't want to just trust Jesus. I want Jesus to trust me. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did with me. 
He's always saw the good and knew the bad stuff he could take care of if I ever would get to the place to let him. Oh, I <laughs> look at you go, you go, okay, well, what's so good about this? I said it was just positioning prayer. So, there's other things I pray. I confess to the Lord that I'm His conduit. I don't want to be a container. Whatever He has to do to make me His conduit, I don't want to control what's coming through my life. I pray all of that stuff. I speak that stuff. Lord, by Your grace, help me to be sensitive to Your Spirit. I don't want to be sensitive to devils. I want to be sensitive to You. I don't even want to be sensitive to the angels of God. If He wants me to know those angels here, He's going to have to tell me. Because I only want to tune in to Jesus. I want to walk in the Spirit, as Galatians 5 says. I want to live in the Spirit. That's what He said. I want to be a part of Him. I don't want to be a part of anything else. I want to be a part of Him. Now, now, the second type of prayer, and, and, and this is going to sound really, really bad, and I can't help it. It's, it's worse than the way it's going about to sound. Okay, the way it's about to sound is worse than what you're going to think it is. And you're going to blame me for it. It's not my problem. I'm not the one that's responsible. I'm just telling you what's going on. If there's 1% of apostolic Christians that pray, the second type of prayer every day. I would be. I'd, try, I'd hurt myself trying to do a backflip over one percent. There are things that Jesus taught us to pray, and there's a reason why we're taught to pray them. Yeah, we got scriptures up here. Great. I want you to put up Ephesians chapter one. We'll start at verse fourteen. I'm going to try to read quickly enough. You know why we don't pray this other kind of prayer? Because we don't know who we are. 15, please. Okay, get ready now. I'm not using my iPad so they can keep up. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints, 16, cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. What did he say when he made mention of us in our prayers? It is prayer. Next verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, uh, in the knowledge of Him. It's supernatural. If you don't know much about Jesus, it's because you're not receiving the spirit of revelation of Him. Of knowing Him. Why is that important? Because if you don't know who He is, you don't know who you are in Him. And if you don't know who you are in Him, you're not going to pray like you're supposed to pray. You're not going to pray the things you're supposed to pray. You're not going to do the things you're supposed to do as a part of His kingdom. All because you don't really know who He is. Next verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know three things. Here's what Paul prayed for the church to know. Paul prayed for the church to know these three things. Call to War Briefing number 5, which will be uh, broadcast on the 30th of August. I'm going to go into these verses in great detail. I can only skim them today. Oh, and I just found out, Brother Adam Brecker, just give us a, well, it's Apostolic Iron Channel on YouTube. 
And you can access both of the first call to war briefings and the one that will come up in a week and a half from now. Okay? That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of His calling. How much hope? We're saved by hope. Romans 8.24 Hope is not wishing. Hope is greater than faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But hope in the Greek is an absolute confidence that what you're hoping for is going to come to pass. You don't doubt it. You don't wonder about it. You don't have to confess it. You know it. That's hope. All right. All right. Amen. The hope of his heart. No, go back. Uh, uh, no, I need you back at the uh, 17, 19, I guess it is. Oh, that's it. Sorry. Thank you. What is the hope of his calling? First. Number two. What is the riches of his inheritance? Okay. Not your inheritance in God. His inheritance in you. I wish I had the time. I wish I had the time for you to understand that the, the first thing that the infinite God did was He became Logos because infinite infinity can't deal with finite. So the God who is everywhere at all times had to have a means whereby He, not some other God, where He can deal with, with that which is limited to time and space. That's called Logos. And the Logos, in the beginning was the Logos, the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And all things were made by the Logos. A different God? No. The infinite God injected into time and place. The infinite God couldn't create anything because then that would make Him no longer infinite. So only by Logos could He create something that is now measured because you can't measure God. No. Well, it was a problem. The infinite God is a God of love. But who do you love when there's nobody but you? So the first thing God did was become Logos. And I got book to prove this. It says it clearly. The second thing God did was create the church in His own mind. In Jesus' name, I lose the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon every person in this building, everyone who will listen to this message or watch it. Do you understand that every single thing that's been done since the first moment God became Logos was for you? Because you are His goal. I'll prove it in just a minute. You're His goal. You are His goal. Why do you think the devil and this world are so adamant to get you to be a part of them? Because it's God's adamant goal for you to be a part of Him. Because He did all of this so that He can have you. Because without you, He can't fully be God. Because when you're loved, and there's nothing and nobody to love. Oh, find one verse where He says God loves the universe. Find one verse where it says that God loves the angels. You've got to have the ability to choose to love in order to love. And the angels weren't given the right to choose. That's why the devil made one mistake and he's done forever. There's no redemption. He wasn't given the right to choose. But you and I were given the right to choose. Because that's the only way love has any value. Is that I choose to love. 
sorry. I want to read that last phrase. What do you think it's going to be like in the world to come? God's going to be in authority. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Him. Kings of Street says, what's the promise? Oh, wait. Whatever is going to happen in the world to come fully, naturally and spiritually, God's ready to do spiritually now. Yeah. Now. Yeah, Next verse. Oh, wait. And He's put all things under His feet. And that one that's sitting on the throne right now, ruling over the universe, is head over all things to the... What's it say? Church. Don't look at me. Look at the screen. Read it. What's it say? Church. Oh, poor old us. Aren't we just a bunch of sad, pitiful victims? Oh, it's, it's so bad. Things are so bad because... We're just a bunch of rejects and outcasts. And we know we aren't anybody. We don't have anything. Oh, isn't this so sad? If that's your idea, you probably haven't yet joined the body. Because the body is directly connected to the head that's already in heaven sitting on the throne. Jesus' name. <laughs> and oh, He put all things under His feet. So, when we see Jesus, He's going to have feet on the side of His head, correct? Because we think that's where the feet are. Because we don't know where feet are, do we? No, we don't know where feet are. Oh, let's see. The feet are the farthest extremity of the body from the head. And He's put all things under the feet of His body. And here's the way we pray. Oh, Jesus, if You care at all, would You please have mercy on us because my cat is sick. Let your cat go to hell. Pray for the world. Amen. You say, oh, that's not very nice. Really? We just had the funeral for a man, an elderly man, who his wife got the Holy Ghost in 1981. He came. He was always very respectful and kind to me, but he'd tell you right now he was an atheist. He was a college professor at Anaroma Community College. That was his career. But he was an atheist. And one day I said to him, Sir, why are you an atheist? He said, Because I was 10 years old and I had a dog I loved very, very much. And my dog was sick, and I prayed and asked God to not let my dog die, and my dog died, and I've never believed in God since. So you're going to spend eternity in hell because your dog died. And you're how smart? And the problem is, there's so many of the people of God that if we do pray, we're praying for stuff. Excuse me, i got to say this a little stronger and it's not very nice. Stuff just that stupid. I'm sorry, that's crazy. Just that stupid. Lord, I don't have the money and I want to go on vacation. It's not, Lord, I want to give the missions and I don't have the money. 
When's the last time any of you prayed that? Lord, I, I need some money for my rent. Not, Lord, I want to be, do my share in paying for the expenses of the church. I need some money so I can help pay for the expenses of the kingdom. No, no. Give me, give me, give me, give me so I can be a consumer. Let the world go to hell as long as I'm enjoying my trip. But the destiny, you will wake up and find out the destination you thought you were getting to is not the one you, will, you thought you were going to. Because the Bible says, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof. The love of the Father abides forever. One more verse. i got to move on. Which is His body. Now, I want you to read this like it says it. Which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. It does not say, which is His body, which is filled by Him. It doesn't say that. English, Greek, or any other language that's accurately translated. What does that mean? That means that our God, as the I am, filling everything, because He was love, was incomplete. And this church He has created in His mind and is now producing, in fact, today, is that which makes Him complete. We give Him someone to love which fully manifests Him. Well, quickly... So now we go to the end of chapter 3. And this is exactly what God's purpose is for you. Now I don't have the time to go into all the relationship stuff that is absolutely awesome. I will in call or briefing number 5 if you're interested. Okay? But here. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do no, let's read at least verse twenty, uh, verse nineteen. And to know the love of Christ, that word "know" there means to know experientially, not intellectually. It means I've experienced His love. I, I know His love by experience, and I trust in His love. First John chapter four verse sixteen, which passeth or surpasses, is superior to anything you could ever know otherwise. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then what happens? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Works where? where? How's all this exceeding abundantly above stuff going to be done? They can't not. But see, it's the Greek is more literal. According to the power that works through us. Power staying in you does nothing. Power flowing out of you. Allows him to do exceedingly love. But we, good old Pentecostals, we are, we spend our hour with hallelujah, hallelujah. And if we really want to get spiritual, it's hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you're really spiritual, 
And if you're really, really spiritual, you do it at the top of your lungs. Thank you, Jesus. We do that hour. We pray. We feel good. And nothing has to happen. You tell me how God can do anything exceeding abundantly above that prayer, with that prayer, through that prayer. Especially spiritual ones. Pray like that, but in King James English. Hold thou art God. Really? Really? Are you some Shakespearean actor or actress? Or are you a child of God? Are you quoting Shakespeare or the Word of God? Oh, but that's prayer, buddy. And that's why most churches, this is something, ooh, people get mad at me when, when, you, when you say say this. Because if you listen to the average person in UPC that's trying to influence the opinion, we're having mighty revival. You know what? Every soul's important. If that soul is me, I'm important. If that soul is you, you're important. Every soul's important. But we're going to reach 7.5 billion people. See, one person pray through in our churches every month. And that's a lot of people for some churches. Well, what's wrong? Well, we don't have the resources, or we don't have the facilities, or we don't have the music, or we don't have the same personality in the pulpit. We don't have blah, 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 blah. What you don't have is prayer that works. There you That's what you don't have. You know, you know what slander is when you speak bad about somebody and it's a lie? And in the court of law, you can say anything you want about somebody as long as it's true. You can't be held accountable for saying anything bad about somebody if it's true, because the principle of law is this truth is its own defense. And it, it's not a question. The court can't decide whether or not you got the right attitude to say it, the right spirit saying it. If the question is, is what you said true? So, <laughs> I was preaching some flip while I was preaching in a, a camp last year in the Midwest, someplace between here and California. And, uh, and I was through, a man came up to me and said, you know, I've been listening to you preach all my life. And I heard a young man preach today. No, you didn't hear a young man preach. What you heard was the same vision, burden, and passion to some degree as I've always had because it's really gotten greater. It, you, God's Spirit doesn't get old. Vision doesn't get old. Passion doesn't get old. Faith doesn't get old. If your vision, burden, passion, faith is getting old, it's because it's yours, not His. Oh, praise God. Oh, so, so I am a part of this body whose head is sitting on the throne. And so now I am, I am his conduit for praying. And he told me what this body should pray. In Matthew 6 and Luke 11, he told me what this body is supposed to pray. There's a reason he told me to do that. 
So, if you can put up on the screen, I believe it's uh, Matthew. We'll just do Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, I believe it is. And he, he said, after this manner, pray ye. Ma Matthew, not Malachi. <laughs> Matthew. Yeah, you got to go M-A-P, not M-A-L. <laughs> okay, after this manner. He didn't say repeat this word. I probably turned heaven out and do that name King Hunger with me, don't you? Got that done. Let's see how many times I can repeat that in the fiddle. Bless me. I got another one for you to pray like that. Hail Mary, full of grace. I'm on. Come on now. You uh, Catholic apostolics. That's the way you pray. You just repeat stuff. insulting God in your prayers because just a few verses before this or maybe it's a few verses after this I don't remember this moment Jesus said don't pray like the heathen who think by their much worse or they have kitchen they'll be heard you know what it means when you do your hey where's our bones hallelujah thank you Jesus says and just fill up time with that you're praying to God the same way the heathen prayed to wood and stone idols and it's insulting. You know what? You would really be better to face God with the sin of prayerlessness than to face Him with the self-righteousness that puts in time running your mouth with stuff you don't expect anything to happen when you pray. And you don't mean anyway. You just dot the eyes and cover your backside. Just making the payments on your eternal life insurance policy. Because you don't care whether anything happens or not. The Lord promised me before this week started. He was going to send home prayers from this camp. Mighty warriors of prayer. Do you think if you're letting Him pray through you, He cares what your age is? If you'll just let Him pray through you? Do you think the Spirit is hindered because of the age of the vessel? I had a brother tell me just the other night. He was, he was called man of God in a very, very critical situation in the kingdom. And this lady is 90 years old. Called him and said, I just want you to know, you don't know me, but I pray for your, your family and every entire member of your family every day because your family is very critical to the kingdom. She lives in California. He lives out here. He doesn't know this lady. She said, my ministry is prayer. And I pray pretty much 24-7. And I want you to know, I pray for you and your family by name individually every day. My wife is going through cancer. Was going through cancer. Thank God she's out of that. But we had no promises. God brought her through. But there were days when there was, you just didn't have any energy to pray yourself. All you could do is just sigh. And you'd go to bed so heavy. So overwrought. And you'd wake up feeling good. And all of a sudden, one morning, one morning, the Lord said to me, Did you have a good prayer meeting yesterday? No. 
Did you pray for this? No, I could hardly do anything other than just sigh and sigh and give prayer. I got the Bible for that. When you don't know anything else to say, if you can't, if you can't even talk in tongues, then you can just sigh. God hears the sigh. That's all I could do. He said, then why do you think you're feeling so good this morning? And it came to my mind. For the first time in my life, I fully, truly understood the, the blessing of having people, even people you don't know, praying for you. Because I got up in the blessing of their prayer and went through some very difficult days in the strength of what they prayed. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. So here we go. This is how He told us to pray. Well, the glass, I know what time it is. Okay? And I got board members here, and if I got to get wrecked over coals for this, I'm obeying God regardless of what it costs me. Okay? I'm willing to pay that price. So listen to me. <laughs> the first thing he taught us to pray was to acknowledge our Father eternal in heaven. What is he talking about? What I just said the revelation is. I'm supposed to acknowledge that I know my Father in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the Father to all of the finite world. And the universe is finite because even it really can be measured. And anything that can be measured is finite. And there's two types of time. Terrestrial time, 24 hours a day. And there is celestial or astronomic time. And if there's any kind of time, time can be measured. And we talk about how far away a planet is by light years. How long it took light at 186,000 miles per second to get from that star to our earth. So the universe is finite. So the one sitting on the throne is the vis eternal visible representation of the invisible God. And I'm acknowledging He's on that throne over everything. There's nothing going on in my world or this world or my life or my family or my church or this district or any place else where there are people I'm involved with. That He's not over. He's over every minute. And then you begin to pray. I, I wish... I had the ability that God could anoint to use the vocabulary to paint such a picture for you. You could see the opportunity and the privilege and know it just like that. But if the Spirit of God doesn't give you that revelation, I have no hope of intellectually communicating it to you because I'm not trying to talk to your mind anyway. I'm trying to talk to your, your, your spirit, your heart. So listen to this, please. Huh? Is there anybody here that's never been around someone that uses the Lord, used the Lord's name as a curse word? Is there anybody here that's never been around somebody that, that can't hardly talk without asking God to damn this and God to damn that? You say, well, they don't know what they're saying. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's right. I don't care whether they know what they're saying. 
They're praying a prayer. God damn this. God damn that. God, that's a prayer. You understand that? And then when they take, that's cursing. Curse means to speak evil about something. That you want evil to happen about that. That's cursing. But blasphemy is when they need use the Lord's name or one of His titles as a swear word. What does that do? It brings His name not only down from the, the, the lofty place it is where Paul said in Philippians that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow every tongue would confess of things in heaven, things on the earth, and things in the earth, and every, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. It takes that name. Feet, Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They take that name and cast it into the dirt and trample on it. And we let them. Why? Because we don't pray what we're told to pray. Every day. Because I'm a part of a body who, whose head is the ruler of this entire world. I can pray for the whole world as a part of that body. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the name of Jesus into the earth to be manifested in salvation, in deliverance, in healing, in dominion, in provision, in protection, in healing. In wholeness. That's the short version of that. Some days I just go off. Like every time one of our political leaders who has no faith in God and are a bunch of hypocrites, most of them, I pray in this. This is what I'm praying. That every time the Lord's name leaves their mouth, that their tongue would start cleaving to the roof of their mouth. You see, I cannot pray to violate a person's will because God will not violate anybody's will. But you know what? It's hard to be by my will. I'm glad it does. But that's called involuntary. Meaning my will is not involved with my heart beating. Thank God it keeps on beating whether I'm aware of using it or not. Technically, I don't breathe voluntarily. Except on some rare occasions. It is so subconscious, I just breathe normally. You see, the functions of the body are not really, most of them are not really under the power of the will. And we're happy that's the case. I don't have to tell my stomach, okay, now there's food coming your way. Now I'd like for you to, 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 to mix digestive juices with what I just eat and cause that to begin to break down. And now intestines, I'd like for you to begin to take the nutrients out of that. Now heart, send some blood down there so that, that those nutrients can be pumped to all parts of my body. And on your way, pick up some oxygen, the fuel for the fire to consume all that energy so that I can live. You tell your body that every day? No, you don't. So since it's not a part of the human will, I can pray about anything that the human will doesn't have control of. Uh, here's, here's where I get in trouble, okay? Here's what I'm praying. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, I take dominion over the body of every individual in this room who is involved with 
simple sexual activity. And I bind your equipment not to work every time you try to sin. In Jesus' name. So that you burn in your lust and can't get any satisfaction in your sin while you sit in church and act like a hypocrite. I bind your body from not working. And so when you try to sin and it won't work, guys, I pray for it.
And you can say in your heart you believe, but if you listen to what's coming out of your mouth, you'll find out whether or not you believe. Thy kingdom come. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. You know what a kingdom is? That's when the king has dominion. Okay? I want you to notice. Go back to the previous verse. Every verb in these verses, the word hallowed, next verse, the word come, the word done, next verse, uh, give, next verse, forgive, forgive, next verse, lead us and deliver. Every one of those verbs is in the tense of command. They are not verbs of asking anything. They are, every one of those verbs is in the tense of commanding. So I got a question. Uh, did Jesus tell us to command God? No. What He's telling us to do is to be conduits for His Spirit to do the commanding through us. Previous verse, please. No, one more. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the kingdom of God into the earth to take dominion, to rule and to reign in the spirit world. I take dominion over every principality and power and ruler of darkness and wicked spirits in the atmosphere. I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, Christ was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy there, there is the exact same Greek word translated loose in this verse. And under the I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Christ came and was manifested that his people would use his authority and power to loose people. From the works of the devil that's been upon their lives. What? What are we talking about? Oh well. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. That's the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and shining them. You know why most people in your city aren't saved? Because they're blind. They can't see. And they can't get rid of the blindness themselves. But so the people that have the ability to do so are supposed to pray that off of them. Acts 26, 18, please. This is, this is the calling of Paul. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, verse 17 first. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, next verse, to open their eyes to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power, or the Greek word there is exousia, not dunamis, from the authority of Satan unto God. That, for this cause, for this reason, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. What is the inheritance? The baptism of the Holy Ghost among them which are sanctified. To receive his forgiveness of sins, they've got to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And what has to happen before people can be forgiven and receive the inheritance among the sanctified? Somebody has got to pray for their eyes to be opened from their blindness. 
till they turn. The word turn there means to re repent or be converted from darkness to light, from the power or authority of Satan unto God. Oh, dear, sweet, young people, do you not understand? It's, it's, I, I, I'm not saying this to create rebellion or anything. I believe in authority as much as anybody in this room. But it's not about the way your parents pray. It's not about the way your church prays. It's about how God's calling you to pray. And you're not going to answer for what your church does and your parents do. You're going to answer for what you do. And Jesus called you to pray this stuff. So, thy kingdom come and manifest the earth. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God is coming to you. And He, he told them to go out and heal the sick. And then after they heal the sick, tell them, the kingdom of God has come out of you. So what does that mean? Paul said, 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Ooh, you got such wonderful services. And I got the air conditioner up so good to help us feel extra goosebumps. So we go home believing it was a great church. And there was no power. There was no demonstration of power of God. There was no lives eternally changed. Nobody got healed. Nobody got delivered. Nobody got saved. Nobody overcame sin they've been bound by. Nobody! But we had great church. Wasn't the music good tonight? Woo! Weren't they singing? Another preacher. Wasn't that just about the best you ever heard the pastor? Sorry. You understand everything I'm saying is toned down? You say, tell me how you really feel. You don't want to hear how I really feel. I'm willing to get in trouble for saying this. No use making it worse. I don't care how good your preacher preaches. I don't care how great your services are. If nothing eternal is happening, you might as well be on a picnic. No wonder so many of you sit in church and play on your phone. Text one another rather than listen to the message that will participate. No wonder you're, you're responding on Facebook and Instagram to people right in the middle of church. I can't blame you for that. Because it's the same old, same old. I don't care how many goosebumps there are. Well, guess what? You're just as accountable as the preacher. God didn't say for preachers to play this way, He told us all to pray this way. If you want to see something happen in your church, Guess what? You ought to be praying. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Come. This is literally it. Come thy kingdom. Come in the manifestation. Come in power. Come in dominion. Come in might. This, the apostles prayed after they were threatened in Acts chapter 4. Lord behold their threatened and now. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your name by performing, by stretching forth your hand to heal, performing signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. Do you know how they're able to walk the church? Because there's nothing happening in the church they can't deny. But if we started praying, it's not enough. The Bible says we're two or three of you together. If any two of you are real earth is touch anything you'll have to my father, I, me praying by myself is no good. I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray like this. Right. So we're all praying the same stuff. Right.
You do have the Holy Ghost, right? You have been baptized in Jesus' name, right? You do say you believe the Bible, right? This is the Bible. Believe is not mentally acknowledging something. Believe means you're acting on it. You're doing something about it. Thy kingdom come. Oh, here it is. This is the teaching point. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, God, I've heard this till I'm so sick and it makes me want to throw up. And that was toned down too. Well, you know, we, God is sovereign. And God's going to do in the earth whatever God wants to do. And you're saved? You don't believe the Bible? Why would the God who can do on earth whatever He wills to do expect you and I to pray as His conduit be done as a command, be done by will in earth as it's already purposed in heaven? The question is not what God's already purposed in heaven. The question is whether or not He can find anybody on earth to be the conduit for it to get out of heaven into earth? That's the question. The Bible says the Logos is forever settled. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the Logos will never pass away. Well, how about this? Romans chapter 9, verse 28, real quickly, please. You see, here's our problem. We Pentecostals are willing to do hallelujah, 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 thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. But if you are made to understand that God expects us to pray to some, of, uh, some degree every day, whatever direction or manner or, or whatever the Holy Ghost gives you to say about each one of these things, we're going to say, I'm not going to pray by some program. Oh, we're so spiritual. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We'll do that all day long. But we're not going to do what Jesus said. Because I'm not doing that. I have the Spirit. Yeah, you do. I just don't know which Spirit it is. Because you're in direct denial of what Jesus said. Look at this, please. For He, he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the short work the Lord will do upon the work work. Would it surprise you to know the word work there in both places is the Greek word for logos? So let's put the word logos in there. For he will finish the logos and cut it short in righteousness because a short logos will the Lord do on the work. Now, if you think he's going to leave stuff out, the word finish there means to complete in its entirety. I'll say the Physically, the calendar says I'm an old man. And it's not in the Bible, but it's a pretty biblically accurate principle, even though it's not specifically stated like this. Old men are for counsel, young men are for war. And if I had the choice for one of you to be up here teaching me at my age what I'm teaching you at your age, and I can switch places with you, I would do it in a heartbeat. 
Because while I'm doing this, I can go four or five hours and not even get tired. But when it's over with, I just need to get some place by myself, close my eyes. Because it's going to take me a little while for this body to recover. While the anointing is here, I can outlast any audience. But I pay more of a price now than I did at your age. And to have the strength to pray intercessory warfare and intercessory travail and be able to bounce back really quickly and be willing and able to do it again in a few hours or the next day rather than being completely white tonight and need to pray rest of refreshing prayer the rest of the day just to be replenished enough to keep doing the next thing in a heartbeat. Because you know why? You didn't get it from Tuesday, did you? You know why had everybody come up here and stand and pray and then you come up and pray for them? Because a miracle done in church is almost worthless. But when you're out there in school or among friends and somebody says, oh, I'm sick, I don't feel good, I'm hurting. And before you realize what you're doing, Holy Ghost rises up in you and says, can I pray for you? Before you even know what you're doing. In Jesus' name, I take the main authority over this sickness. I command this body to be healed, made whole. And they get well. And without you doing anything, the whole school knows what just happened. And you think, well, they're going to make fun of me. Wait, wait. It's not you going telling everybody I was sick and just got healed. They're going to call, have to call him a liar. Not you. And you know what's going to happen? Not publicly at first, but privately. Somebody else is going to come up and say, you know, I'm really sick. Or my mom or my dad's really sick. I know you pray for so-and-so and they got better. Could you, could, would you pray for my mom? Would you pray for my dad? And you do. Right there with them. In the name of Jesus. I take many authorities that just said there's all. And in a couple of days later they come back. You, you, you pray? Are they going to keep that quiet? We can't reach the Muslims. <laughs> I've had a vision. In, I've seen a vision where two men of God with apostolic authority walk into towns and villages that are all Muslim. Without saying anything, they seek out the sickest person they can find. And they pray for that person and they get healed. And then they pray for another and get healed. And by the time they finish praying for everybody in that village and they all get healed, that's not going to be a Muslim village anymore. Because now they're going to know who Jesus is. And now they're going to be able to baptize and fill with holiness. Because they went everywhere and preached. And the Lord went with them. Working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. That's to you. You, you have the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. That's you. Where do you live? Baltimore? Okay. Now, let's say, in the middle of that riot this year, you walked in the middle of the street, raise your hands up and in a loud voice begin to pray. In the name of Jesus, I find this hate. I find this contention. I find this strife.
this violence in Jesus' name. I speak peace to this storm. Well, they kill me. Maybe. But maybe the Holy Ghost and the angels of God will show up and peace will come. Maybe. I don't know if that'll happen. You know why we don't know if that'll happen? Because nobody's trying it. Hey, the people that want to cause trouble, they're not keeping quiet, are they? I tweeted the other day. I was livid about that stuff that took place in uh, Minneapolis and uh, Baton Rouge. I mean, that's there's no excuse for it. And there's no such thing as Christianity anybody's Christianity that sees color and treats anybody different because of the color of But I had a guy from tweet back and he got vulgar with me and said, us black folks have been praying for 500 years and it hadn't worked. We're not praying to that white Jesus anymore. I couldn't help myself. I tweeted back and I said, well, you blew it that time. Because I've been preaching to a multicultural congregation for 46 years. I've got all the track record to prove I don't see color and that I love everybody. You don't. He said, and I, and I said to him another one, I said, Oh, and by the way, Jesus was a Jew who's still the most persecuted minority in existence. No, Jesus is a white man. I said, You just insulted every Jew on earth. Because you can't find a Jew in this world that would that, that, that say that, that any Jew, born a Jew, is a white man. Right. But what do we do? We listen to these lies. And we let that stuff get in our spirit. And then we begin to repeat that stuff. Oh, wait, wait just a minute. Just a few minutes ago, back there to Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 9, was it? Whatever it was. I prayed the kingdom of God to come. Well, I've got Matthew 28, uh, 18 that says, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That word there is authority. That means every policeman is using God's authority, even if they're doing it unrighteously. That means every governor, every mayor, every legislature, every president, every judge is using God's authority. So you know what I'm praying? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I curse every individual of authority that has been, that, that's been using God's authority for their own benefit. And in an unrighteous way, I command the cover be pulled off them. I know you're tired. And I know some of you, boy, you, you, it's a good thing you don't swear because you'd be using some words at me right now. You know the good thing about being 70? I'm old enough, I don't care. Because your problem is, your curses fall off all my armor. What's your armor against the prayers I pray? That affects you. Do you understand not every one of you will be a preacher? 
And because some have five talents and some two and some only one, that not every preacher is going to be as fruitful as every other preacher. But do you understand something? When it comes to prayer and assembling at the foot of the cross to commune with the Savior and do business with Him and let Him do business through you, everybody's got the same opportunity. The only thing that really determines what kind of prayer you become is you. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. You start hearing about this. I've been praying that every attempt to put stuff together to take innocent lives for the purpose of promoting any religion, that they, those things they're putting together for that will start blowing up and taking their lives to such a point that they will begin to be afraid to put their own bombs together because they're losing the people putting the bombs together and not the ones they're trying to take out who still need to hear the gospel. But I haven't heard that yet. You think that's something the media's going to cover? Oh, it's, it's going to happen. Why? I was told I could pray. You know, the scripture says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. That's not, oh God, give me a Corvette. The context of every one of those verses is in a context that has to do with directly or indirectly with reaching the lost. So when it comes to the lost being saved, I can pray anything. And He'll do it if the end result of that prayer is them getting saved. Even the prayers, I can't pray. A few years ago, a young lady born and raised in our church, married to a guy out of our church, very successful, got out of college. Man, she rose to the ranks of her job. And she more she successful she became and traveled, the less she came to church. She got cancer. Had cancer two years. Guess what? Much as her sickness would allow her, she came to church, she got right with God. Everybody was praying for her to be healed. She died. I said, Lord, why? And I eventually had to go to the dad and say, you know why your daughter wasn't healed like you prayed for? Because if you would have, if she'd have gotten healed, she'd have been lost. You would have gotten a few year, more years with her. But she would have gone to hell. As soon as everything returned to normal, she'd go back to how she was living. And you wanted her to be saved. So God in His love and mercy took her and didn't answer your prayers that were for you. You weren't praying, nevertheless, but not my will but thine be done. You were praying, don't let my daughter die. It didn't matter what impact that was going to have on them eternally. I can ask anything. We could have prayed until that girl was healed. But the Holy Ghost kept checking us on that. He wouldn't let us go that far. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. And we, we've got Bible for the fact that you can press God on His Word to the point He finally gives you something that is, it fits His Word, but it's not according to His will for you or your situation. Be careful. 
that girl or that guy you've determined you're going to marry. Be careful. That's the will of God. Because if it's not, even though you prayed and God made it happen, it could end up being the hell. It's the preview of the hell you may end up going to because of the bitterness of your relationship. So now, quickly, I pray these things every day. Next verse. Lord, by your grace, I loose the spirit of grace and the spirit of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of conviction to shine light on every grudge and offense that we're in denial as a grudge and offense because these things left in us, Lord, opens a door for Satan to defeat us because they, every grudge and offense belongs to Satan and not God. So I, I loose the grace of God the spirit of fear of the Lord by which men depart from evil to empower us, to motivate us both to want to forgive and then enable us to forgive so we can be free. And Lord, I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord and spirit of conviction upon every soul in Jesus' name that their sins would become manifested as sins and that they would acknowledge their sins and I loose the gift of repentance upon them that they would repent and so they could be forgiven in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so there would be no offenses and no unrepented sins that the devil could use to defeat us in our warfare. And Lord, by the grace of God, I loose your grace and your spirit upon every one of us that by your grace we would be able to be crucified with Christ. That we'd be able to die out to our flesh so that we would be dead through our deliverer from the lust of the flesh. Because you told us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And it is our flesh that leads us into temptation. It's not the lust of our flesh. Every man is sifted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So Lord, let your grace enable us to die out to ourselves. So lust would not have the ability to lead us into temptation. And now Lord, by your grace, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the authority that you imparted us in Luke 10, 19, we tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you promised that nothing by any means would hurt us. And Father, deliver us from the evil one in his kingdom. But deliver the evil one in his kingdom in our hands that we might bind their kings with chains and their princes with fetters of iron. That the lost of this world might be free. That the churches of the living God would be restored and revived. one of those things each one of those little elements there it's easy to pray an hour about each one of those there's all kind of stuff you can pray about those things in the will of God as a conduit for God to speak things in the world earth because life and death are in the power of the tongue and you know who it is that has life and death God and so the devil who wants to kill he's a thief Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to use your tongue to destroy. But God wants to use your tongue to speak life. Every day, some part of this prayer, I begin to bind and loose. And sometimes I do bind and loosing all through it as the Lord leads. And there's no format. There's no format. There's just specific things I'm taught to pray. Another thing before I get to that, another thing I pray every day by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I obey you, Father, and I command 
that every one of your labors be compelled out, thrust out, ejected out into your harvest. Out of their place of complacency. Out of their excuses and their life full of stuff that doesn't produce anything eternally. That's what the Greek word means. He told us to pray. He told us to pray. That laborers would be sent forth. Guess what the Greek word there is? It's ekbalo. E-K-B-A-L-L-O. Almost every place that word is used, it's in reference to casting out devils. So the same authority and power used to cast out devils, we're supposed to be praying that laborers would be thrust out into his harvest. He told the early church to preach all over the world. They all stayed in Jerusalem till Titus, the only emperor's son, and five Roman legions showed up just a little right around 70 A.D. And drug a, dug a siege trench all the way around Jerusalem. And when they got all set, history has no explanation for it, they went through. And every Christian in the city of Jerusalem saw that and fled the city. And, then, and after a few days, Titus came back. And I believe it was 126, 128 days of siege. They wouldn't let any food into the city of Jerusalem. And everybody that tried to escape, guess what Titus did? He didn't even know what he was doing. Remember when the, Jesus saw the women weeping when he was walking to the cross, to, the, to, to be crucified, carrying the cross? He said, don't weep for me, weep for your children. Forty years later, every Jew that escaped Jerusalem was crucified on the cross between the wall of the city and the siege trench. According to history, they crucified so many Jews that there were no trees for miles and miles and miles around Jerusalem. They all were cut down to be made cross, be made into crosses. And then finally, a couple of the people escaping Jerusalem came to Pilate, not Pilate, came to Titus and told him this: "We're, we're so we're so hungry, we're killing and eating our own children." And he was so enraged that he immediately ordered his troops to storm the city. And he said, don't leave anybody alive inside these walls. And they did not. But he didn't just stop there. He tore down the temple of God and plowed up the site like a field. Oh, my friend. Just because you don't see judgment today doesn't mean judgment's not coming in the near future. The Bible says because sentence against an evil work is not... This is Ecclesiastes. If I forgot. If I haven't forgotten. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. So, trembling, you go out and you have your first sexual experience. And you're sure that any minute, lightning is going to fall and you're going to be burned to a crisp. And you're just trembling, but you persist anyway. And then the next time, you don't tremble as bad. Because lightning doesn't fall the next time, you don't tremble as much. Because lightning doesn't fall. 
The next time, there's almost no trembling. And you rapidly approach the point where either God don't care or there's nothing wrong with this because it feels good, so I'm going to do it. But because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. So the last thing to pray, Matthew chapter 6, next, give us this day our daily bread is very important too. I'm not going to go into that. It's for the, this is not for you to eat. This is for the army to be provisioned. Just a few verses after this, Jesus said, I'm not supposed to ask for food and clothing because I have a father. So as a child, I don't have to pray for anything that my father will take care of. This is not a prayer for you and I to get what we want or need. This is a prayer for, for, to protect the supply lines of the army because the only way to defeat a superior force is to cut off its supply lines. That's why so the more revival church, a church seems to be, the less resources they seem to have. Because we're supposed to pray this. Finally, go down in two verses. Verse 13. The last thing he says for us to pray here, it's a motive check. Are we doing this for ourselves or for him? And let me tell you something. Nothing is more offensive to God for a child of God to do what they do, pray what they pray, so that they get the credit and glory. So, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for it. It's a motive check. Needless to say, whether you know it or not, there's a whole lot more that can be taught here. The third dimension of prayer. And I'm, this is just in a short few minutes because this is plenty of teaching available on this. Is the prayer of the Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8, 26, we all have an infirmity, a weakness. We all have the same infirmity. We know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches of the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So, I taught you about rest and refreshment prayer tongues. If you spend much time praying in tongues, you will begin to sense when it shifts. And you don't know why it shifts, but it shifts. And you learn to let it shift. But it's even better when you understand why it's shifting and you cooperate. So we all are, all are aware or experience tongues and interpretation. Or not, excuse me, the, the tongues of receiving the Holy Ghost. It's tongues of prayer prayer and worship and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And hopefully you all can do that with some liberty. Jesus' name. But then, then, there is this prayer, there's a prayer of the Spirit where I'm praying for somebody. Hallelujah. I don't know what the problem is. But there's a need here. And so since I don't know what that is, I'm going to let the Spirit pray because I don't want this need to go unprayed for because I'm not praying for it. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. I don't know what I prayed for. It's not my business. Mirror. Mirror. And then there's this prayer. This is a prayer of impartation. Hand of God's on his life. God wants to use him. He's got all kinds of things working against him. But God wants him to overcome that. And so there needs to be things imparted to him. Authority. Power. Anointing. Faith. And spirit. And in this part, in part, in this, this prayer, I can literally feel it. It's not coming from me. It's coming through me. I'm just a conduit. But I can feel it come from me. Go to Him. You know what I like about that? I can't take any credit because I don't know what was prayed. And he may never in this life even know what God just gave, gave him as a result of this prayer. Does it matter that he knows it happened as a result of this prayer? It just means over the next few weeks and months, all of a sudden he's going to feel stuff happening in and through him that has never happened before. That's not practice. I wouldn't practice it. That happened. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Jesus' name. Okay. Now, supplication and intercession is exactly the same thing. With, with supplication, you usually know what you're praying about. But you let the Spirit pray powerful authority prayer through you. Not demonstrating that because it sounds just like warfare intersection. Sometimes it sounds just like travail intersection. The primary thing is you know specifically what you're praying for. And you're not doing the praying. You're letting someone else do the praying. Hallelujah. So... Brother Lewis, come here. Yeah. So, this man is in the throes of making a major decision to determine the direction of his life. I'm just, man, I can't affect that. But I'm going to pray intercessory warfare against every spirit that is trying to influence him in a direction. Because the hand of God is mightily upon this young man's life. It's mightily here. And God has great plans for it, but the devil wants him for his plans too. Every one of these spirits of prayer 
has been imparted to everyone here who's received it, even if you didn't consciously do it, because God needs you to pray these prayers. Come on. Come on. It's, no, 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 no. That's not the response. It's time to talk in tongues for a few minutes. I'm very well aware of what time.